Well, good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing today? So glad that you're here. Hope that you're enjoying your Thanksgiving weekend. I can't believe it's already here and gone, and we're moving into December, which is a Christmas month. It's absolutely crazy. Definitely want to do a shout out to our Maple Grove campus. Good morning. I especially want to give a shout out to our Elk River campus this morning. I miss you guys, but I know that you're in great hands. And we also want to do a shout out to those watching online. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, it's so good to be back at Spring Lake Park campus this morning, having the opportunity to preach and to be in this, in this pulpit. I want to give a, give a shout out to Pastor Nate. Thank you for his leadership and his entrusting me with being here in this pulpit on this Sunday. We're excited as we move into what's in store for us, what's ahead of us uh, today. Uh, we're starting a new series next week. And we want to invite you back. Adventageous. How many of you know it's Advent season? It's preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus Christ in the Christmas season. And that's going to be leading up to our, our Christmas spectacular, Picture Perfect, as you just saw in the video there, which will be December 23rd and 24th. And how many of you got your Advent devotional on your way in this morning? All right, we're just going to encourage you to uh, follow along as we've had a lot of staff and other volunteers and great writers pour blood, sweat, and tears into writing this. And so we love to uh, walk through this Advent devotional with you this morning. Well, we're going to jump into what God has for us uh, today. I have a story, and there's a young man named John, and he received a parrot as a gift. And the parrot had a bad attitude and even a worse vocabulary. Every word out of the bird's mouth was rude, obnoxious, and it was laced with profanity. John tried and tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently saying only polite words, playing soft music, and anything else he could think of to clean up the bird's attitude. Finally, John was fed up, and he yelled at the parrot. The parrot yelled back. John shook the parrot, and the parrot got angrier and even ruder. John, in desperation, threw up his hands, grabbed the bird, and he threw him in the freezer. For a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screamed, but then suddenly it was totally quiet. John, thinking that he had hurt the bird, he opened the door to the freezer. The parrot calmly stepped out onto John's outstretched arms and said, John, I believe that I may have offended you with my rude language and actions. I sincerely am remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions, and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable behavior. John was absolutely stunned at the change in the bird's attitude. And just as he was about to ask the parrot what had made such a dramatic change in his behavior, the parrot continued, John, may I ask what the turkey did? It's kind of like I feel like the laugh came from here and as you guys are catching up over here, all right. Well, again, hope that you're enjoying your Thanksgiving weekend. Today's message, message is entitled, Thankful. Thankful. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 17. We'll get there in a moment. As you're turning there, I want to set the stage for where the story is going to be taking place. Jesus and his followers were on their way to Jerusalem. This would be Jesus' final journey to Jerusalem as he would eventually die on the cross 
And they were going to celebrate the Jewish holiday of Passover. And in order to get there, they passed through a region between Samaria and Galilee and all along the way. There were all sorts of different towns and villages in which those who were traveling would be able to stop and refresh themselves, get some water, gather supplies so they could be on their way and to continue with their journey. And our story takes place in one of those villages. And so Luke chapter 17, verse 12. As, we, as he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood out at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he had saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him, for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Father God, we pray, God, that your word would go forth. And we know that does not return void. I pray that you would speak forth what you need to speak to these, your people today. I pray that you would also... Allow our hearts and our ears and our minds to be receptive for what you want to speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we start out with 10 men who have the worst disease of their day, leprosy. And many of us, we may have seen pictures, we may have heard, we've read. We know that leprosy is one of the worst diseases that you could have. It attacks the bodies and you begin to get sores all over your arms and your legs and throughout your body. It affects your hands and your toes and begins to cripple and, and, and deform. And you even begin to lose fingers and, and toes and the, the limbs are damaged and there's a loss of sensation and the different nerve endings. Beth Moore, in her book, Jesus, the one and only, tells of an occasion that she had to be near a modern-day leper colony. And something within her had always wanted to minister in a leper colony. Well, this trip that she took overseas had now given her the first opportunity to be near such a place. And she found herself walking back and forth in front of the entrance, trying to gather up enough courage and, and everything to go inside. But she began to look and she saw those that were affected and inflicted with leprosy. And as she went back and forth, she just begged herself for a chance to go inside, but she could not. The reason? The smell overwhelmed her. She could not work up the stomach to go inside the colony. She could not bear the thought of not going inside and not testifying and witnessing for the Lord. But at the same point, she became violently ill and her trip came and went and she was not able to go inside. I only share this story so that we can gain a, a, a new perspective of how bad this disease must have been. You think about the lepers, and not only did they need to uh, endure the physical pain, but they also had to endure the emotional pain. As lepers, they were literally cut off. They were, they were shunned from society. They were removed from their families. They were removed from their spouse. They were removed from their community as they knew it. And then to make matters even worse, 
they actually had to announce that removal on an everyday basis by having to say out loud, unclean. It must have been horrible. But I love our story because these ten men, they encounter Jesus. And how many of you know when you have an encounter with Jesus, it doesn't stay the same. Something changes in your life. As we look at verse 14 of Luke chapter 17, he looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, if a person happened to be miraculously healed of leprosy, go figure, it was the priest's job to have to inspect these bodies to make sure that the skin and the limbs and everything was cleared and, and good to go. And they would be the one to then announce that the person's been healed. And it was then and only then that the person would be allowed back into society, back to see their spouse and their kids and go do what they need to go do with society. To hold their son and daughter, to look for work again, whatever it might be. But as you can imagine as Jesus is saying to these ten lepers, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now there had to have been a moment there, if you can imagine with me, that the only thing Jesus has done at that point says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And you think about one leper as he looked down and he began to look at himself and say, well, but my hand is still disformed. It's still, uh, it's still bent out of shape. And yet another leper began to look at his hand and notice that it was still crooked. It was still mangled. In fact, there was fingers that were half or missing completely. And yet another leper, as he bent over his crutch and looked down at his soil-stained pant leg that was bent behind him, recognizing that his leg was still missing. And yet another leper, as he looked at his skin, he looked at it and it was just as remorseful as ever. In other words, all of these men were no better off than when they had first spotted Jesus. And yet, they headed off in search of the priests. And I love scripture. Scripture says, as they went. Say that with me. As they went, they were healed. As they went, the man that had the distorted and disformed hand began to look down, and as he went, he recognized that his hand began to grow completely. Another leper, as he went, began to look at his fingers that were once mangled and, and crooked and missing fingers, began to see his fingers straighten up. And he looked on the backside and recognized that they were not only growing, but there was fingernails that were growing as well. The leper that was once on a crutch tripped over his crutch because he recognized that his leg had fully grown. And yet the other leper that noticed his skin that was repulsive now looked at it and began to see the skin clear up. And an arm that was once pale and the little hairs that were white as snow began to have color and health and life. And as they looked at themselves is one thing, but I can imagine as they begin to look up 
and recognize what has just taken place in their life, they begin to look at one another and say, wow, look at something that's happening here. And you can imagine the dirty faces and the hurt faces and the trouble and the hardships that they're going through. The straight faces, if you will, begin to break into smiles. And the smiles begin to break into laughter. And the laughter begin to break into cheering. And the cheering begin to break into this, this holy madness, if you will, because something powerful took place because they had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And they raced off in the distance, probably not even beginning to understand that their nightmare was over. It's a good story, isn't it? There's three takeaways that I want us to grasp today. The first one is this. Be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. My family and I, just this year, we took a step of faith and we stepped out and answered the call of God to go up to our Elk River campus to be campus pastors. And I'll be honest with you, it's been the greatest thing in our entire life. We're enjoying it. Did it make sense? Yeah, we were ready for some change. We were believing that God was opening doors. It was a powerful encounter that we had with Jesus Christ. But was it easy? Absolutely not. Did we sell our house in Blaine? Absolutely. Did we uh, transplant our kids into new schools? Yes, we did. Did we have to say bye to our community and our sports friends and, and, and those that we did life with in our community? Absolutely. It was very difficult. All the circumstances didn't make sense. And, and we thought this would be the perfect picture and everything would be all laid out and it's all good to go. And now we have this home in Elk River. No, we don't. We took a detour. We're in Coon Rapids right now in my in-law's basement. Yeah. It's not as bad as I just portrayed it, all right? <laughs> My in-laws go to this church, so I have to make sure I say really good things about them. No. We are blessed, and they have opened up their basement for us to live, and it's been absolutely incredible. But how many of you know all those circumstances may not always make sense, but in order for the miracle to take place, because we believe that as we are stepping out in faith, we believe that God is going to do something powerful in Elk River. For the community that's in Elk River, God wants to bless. God wants to overflow into the lives there for such a time as this. So that we can believe for those yet to come to Christ, we'll have an opportunity to do so through our Elk River campus. And so, in order for that miracle to happen, in order for the miracle to take place in, this, in these lepers' lives, these men had to start walking in faith before their circumstances had changed one teeny bit. One teeny bit. And I don't know about you, but there's really not a more important lesson for us on this Thanksgiving weekend, is there? We cannot wait until the problems are over to start walking in faith. We cannot sit here today and say, Lord, if you just, as soon as you heal me, I will praise your name. Or Lord, if you just give me some more understanding, then I will trust you. But we can't say, Lord, if you just resolve the issues in my relationships or in my friends and family or in my marriage, then I'll start to serve you. Instead, God places a demand for faith on us before anything at all has changed. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in what? All circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's one thing to be thankful on the mountaintop experiences when things are going absolutely wonderful in our life. But being thankful in the difficult circumstances, I'm going to be thankful for that because I know that that is going to stretch my faith. God is saying, church, would you love me in spite of the disease? Would you trust and obey me in spite of the lack of understanding or the lack of resources that you might be experiencing? Would you be, be thankful to me in spite of your living situation? Would you praise me in the darkest, in the loneliness of nights and in the worst of circumstances? And I believe that's the nature of God. He loves us so much. And listen closely, God gives us the opportunity to be thankful in him when nothing about our circumstances gives us the motivation to do so. And I believe that is the very definition of faith. If we only thank God on the good days, if we only thank God in the best of circumstances, it's not going to require any faith at all. Instead, we need to be saying, God, while we're waiting for our miracle to take place, while we're waiting for you to give us direction, while we're waiting for that new job or that promotion that you have for us, God, while I'm waiting for you to restore my friends and restore my relationships and restore my marriage, God, while I'm waiting for my wayward son or daughter to come home, I will choose to be thankful and I will trust you. The fact is, is I don't know. I don't know what awaits us today. I don't know what may await you this week or this month. I don't even know what this year is going to hold for us. But I believe it forces the question, will we be thankful in the midst of our difficult circumstances? And if so, we can say together, that we have experienced faith. When we center ourselves in the knowledge that God is with us in all the moments of our lives, there is going to be a foundation because we're being thankful in him, not our circumstances. And when we have that foundation, we can stand on it, we can be confident in it, we can be firm and thankful in and through all circumstances in life, amen? The second thing I want to leave with you today is be thankful when we see the work of God's hand. Let's keep reading in verse 14. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to, his, fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. How many were there? There were ten. One came back, praising, shouting at the top of his lungs, thanking God for all that he has done. And he wasn't polite about it. He wasn't quiet about it. He was very public and very loud about it. And I begin to wonder, why? Why? This guy has been forced to yell 
could be his whole entire life since he's had leprosy. I believe that he's yelled so much he didn't know how to approach Jesus quietly. He had to be loud about it. He has been waiting for so long. And I go on a limb because I wonder if he begins to understand what David wrote when he wrote Psalm 40. And it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And I wonder just for a moment that as this leper was walking, he's looking at himself and saying to himself, I've just spent the last year of my life. I've just spent the last five years of my life. I maybe have spent the last decade of my life. I maybe have just spent my whole entire life. And when I look behind me, the only thing I can see is disease and torment and death. And not just that, but it's been a Reminder, a constant reminder of my separation from my family. It's been a constant reminder of my separation from my home, from my friends, from the places that I shop around, and the people I get to hang out with. It's been a constant reminder of my community and the life that I know it. But now, now I can see, and I look, and I can see God's hand, God's work in my life and I can see that his goodness and his mercy is following me all the days of my life and so if you would just excuse me for a moment I've just spent my whole entire life in ridicule and torment and pain and disease and now I'm going to shout a little bit because I've been set free I've been healed and so I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to give a victory dance Psalm 30 says this, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and what? Not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Did this leper Want to go and show himself to the priests? Yeah, absolutely. Did he want to be cleared from the priests of this leprosy? Did he want to go back to his family? Did he want to go back to his kids? Did he want to go back and shop at the deli and sink his teeth and do an incredible sandwich and drink coffee where he normally drinks coffee? Did he want to go back and do those things? Absolutely. But yet, he paused. He came back and gave thanks and acknowledged the giver and not just the gift. He paused and he went back to the cause of his celebration. Can you remember what your life might have been like before you encountered Jesus? Reflect for a moment your life without salvation. Not so we can sit here today and point fingers and feel the guilt and the shame or any, any embarrassment that maybe we have gone through in our life. That's not, that's not the point here. But if we were to take a moment, stop and recall the broken, recall the addicted, 
the abused, the lonely, the crushed, the depressed, the suicidal, the unloved, and the unwanted condition that our Savior found us in. And let's remember to take the time to acknowledge God for all that he has done when we can look back and we can see the work of God's hand in our life. That is what we need to make sure that we are saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you have set me free, that you have healed me, that you've taken me and you've rescued me out of the, out of the mire and out of the mud and you set my feet on a rock. I will praise your name. The third thing and last is this. Thankful for the fullness of God. Our last three verses. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. The American King James Version says this in verse 19. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Has made you whole. And I love this word because in the previous verses, we're talking about leprosy. As we're talking about cleansing, we're talking about being healed. These are all medical terms, which are all great things. They're medical terms, but this word here, whole, means something completely different. Yes, it's true that he's been healed of leprosy, but this Greek word whole means sozo. It means saved. It means rescued. And God primarily uses this in the sense of rescuing people from the penalty and the power of sin and adopting us into his family, making us whole, making us complete. And I believe salvation, Emmanuel, is only part of the story. I believe when we give our life to Jesus Christ and he died on the cross, we could have everlasting life and eternal life with him. I believe that's only part of the story. Because he, he did come to seek and save the lost, but he also came to enable us to experience fullness in life. And I believe that fullness, yes, we will achieve that when we get into heaven, but I believe that he meant that for here in the now. That's John 10.10. 10. John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I love this because it keeps going on. It says that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love that. I love that. This man who once had leprosy opened his mouth and declared his gratitude and it produced a fullness in his life. And his willingness to express that gratitude caused him to graduate from being healed to being whole. I love that. I believe thankfulness must invade our language before fullness will invade our life. And once fullness invades our life, it will overflow into those around us. It sounds good, doesn't it? There's tension there. There's tension because we will always do our best to fill anything that is empty. And if you and I ever feel like if there's something in our life that is empty, whether it might be space or time, 
or relationships or whatever it might be. And unless we know what we, should, what we should be full of, then often our lives are crammed with the clutter. It's crammed with the trivial. It's crammed with the unnecessary things to the point that we have no room left for that which God intended to fill us with. And make no mistake, God does intend for us to be full. And when we are full, our fullness will overflow into every area of our life. If you can imagine the joy of this one leper that's been healed and been made whole, that not only does he get to go back to his wife, not only does he go, need to go, get to go back and hold his kids and be with the, the people in the community and find a job being healed of leprosy, but now he gets to go back being changed and transformed and being made whole in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the story that this man has the opportunity to share? Those that remember him being a leper and being shunned from the community and kicked out to go live in the leper colony, to now be back in society. And to not only look at him and say, wow, you don't have leprosy anymore. But not just that, but something else is different about you. There's something different. Yeah, I can see that your skin is clear and your limbs are all there, but something else is different about you. We are made whole and complete in Christ, and that is meant to overflow into the lives around us. When you and I come to Christ, it is supposed to be a holistic experience. And that fullness comes together for us, and his power and his fullness is for us. But it's not only for us, because you might be here praying for a miracle in your life, and I believe that God wants to perform a miracle in your life, but it's not just so you can say, I've been healed. It's so that everyone else around you who knows that you've been sick, everyone else around you who know that you've had brokenness in your life, so that they can see that and say, wow, not only are they healed, but something is different about this individual. You might be praying and believing for God to heal your marriage, to heal your relationships. It isn't just so you can have a happily ever after, even though I believe in that. But it's so that others around you can say, wow, I think their relationship was absolutely broken and it was going to end in divorce and there was no hope whatsoever. But then Jesus had an encounter with that individual. And it wasn't only just because they could have their marriage restored and saved, but others around them could say something happened in that relationship. God brought it together and I want what is going on in that relationship. It's not just for us. It's to overflow and to extend over everything else in our life. Colossians 2, 6 through 7, as the worship team comes. And now, just as you accepted Christ, Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so you will grow in faith strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done our three takeaways today is that we are to be thankful in all circumstances that we are to be thankful for the work of god's hand and we are to be thankful in the fullness of God. 
You might be at one of our campuses. You might be watching online. I don't know what you have going on in your life this Thanksgiving weekend. I don't know what song that you've been singing. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for decades. Or maybe you're here today and you're just started on this journey. Or today you're looking at possibly starting on a faith journey. Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while, but you've been growing weary. Or you once walked with him and you are no longer walking with him. Church, there's no weariness that God can't handle. There's no abuse that has scarred you so badly that Jesus can't touch you. No sin has made you unlovable. And Jesus today is willing to call us friend, to stand beside us. It was his death that paid for our sin. There's no anxiety or any fear that you might be experiencing has disqualified you. No problem or circumstances has put our life on hold. And the miracle on this Thanksgiving weekend is that the presence of God is here. And where the presence of God is, is an opportunity for us to have an encounter with Jesus. And when we have an encounter with Jesus, we leave different than when we first came in. We leave different than when we first came in. And the miracle of this weekend is that Jesus loves us and he has the ability to fill us with his presence and to be an overflow into our lives and there are no exceptions, there are no disqualifications, there are no doubts, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is God and he loves you just the way that you are. And for that, oh God, we can say that we are so thankful. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to your feet this morning.